It is July 24th, 2020. Welcome and tell us who you are and when you were at Hofstra Radio. Hi, I'm Brett Dion. I was there, I'd like to say from 1991 to 1995. Uh, that doesn't quite overlap with my college experience. Uh, what shows did you host or produce or work on while you were at Hofstra Radio? Um, I produced Airwave um, in that 92 to 93 period, but probably more 93. And then I was uh, co, um, what, music uh, director for uh, the 1994 and maybe part of 93. Okay, so those were your titles. Which shows were you on? I mean, everybody does at some point classics from Hofstra, but what oh, were the sure. shows that you you hosted or worked on or helped to record? Oh yeah, well, I, so I guess I'm going to start with the stuff I'm I was most proud to work on. I I did help establish um, an all soundtrack show that was part of the the community block of programming on the weekends. Um, and that ran uh, for a couple of years from like 93 to 95. And then um, uh, working on Airwave as a DJ, I think that was like the, the first um, slot I got um, was as, as an Airwave jock. And uh, then I had a lot of fun um, in the last few months of, of being uh, with the station, uh, being able to work on um, Anarchy. The soundtrack show that you worked on, what was that called and when did that air? Uh, that was Music for a Darkened Room. Um, and that was inspired by a, a title of a Danny Elfman collection of soundtrack music called Music for a Darkened Theater. And the slot was, I believe, 8.30 to 10 on Saturday nights. I know I was splitting a three-hour block. Um, and I think I had the later part of it. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. I, I thought it was nine to 10, but somewhere in that ball, but eight thirty sounds right. Um, okay. So let's go back to when you first arrived, um, at WRHU at Hofstra radio This is a multi-part question and answer it however you like, but what first brought you to the radio station and what was it like? when you got there, where was the station? What did it look like? What did it sound like? Uh, any people that you remember being there, any, any sensory memory you have from your first time at the station? Okay. Yeah. Well, this, this, um, I like this part of the story. I, uh, I definitely, I came in with a huge chip on my shoulder because, um, I had been, uh, given the opportunity to volunteer for a, uh, college radio station, um, nearby where I went to high school. And, um, and I really was also very influenced the, by the idea of free form and, um, pretty much being able to get, get away with whatever you wanted on the air. So when I came to Hofstra in, in the fall of 1990, I got a sense that the, that the, the college radio station, uh, WRHU at the time, was rather um, inflexible or had a, you know, was, was 
very much being programmed, um, which in, you know, in retrospect is, is, um, all well and good. But at the time I, I don't think I was having it. And, and for a while I stayed away. Um, I think I, I think in the spring of 91 or possibly even, uh, the fall of 91, I started to, um, look at the opportunities for, uh, training, um, uh, you know, you had to get a, uh, you had to be trained in announcing, trained in engineering. Um, I had already had experience with both of those things, but not in the formal uh, sort of uh, teaching that they were offering at, at uh, the Hofstra station. So um, my, my memory of also going down to Memorial Hall, where the station was at the time, was that um, I, I, I was attracted to the environment. I did think that it was, I liked the feel that it was actually literally subterranean underground, hmm. um, that fit in with my, um, my, my sense of what a college station should be, um, or, you know, something left of the dial. And, uh, and I, I remember, you know, thinking the office was uh, something of like a, a a sitcom set of what you know a radio station, um, uh, like a hip radio station, could look like. You know, kind of, kind of like a sweat hog culture, kind of um, um, rough and rough around the edges. Um, and I think. I think by then, you know, I was really looking for a community. Um, add on to that, that I also remember this, you know, if this could have been the fall of 1990 uh, or, and I could have gone back the fall of 1991, but uh, Hofstra did offer these, um, I don't know what they were calling it, Brian, maybe you can help, but uh, they would have, an outdoor kind of a, a fair uh, where sort of the different op opportunities, extracurricular opportunities were offered. And you could kind of like check out what, what the radio station booth was, was doing, um, you know, outdoors or I don't know, whatever your, uh, you know, maybe there were also uh, fraternity sorority things being, being, um, displayed sort of like a club fair or some i i, I i'm not sure right. what it what it was but that sounds that's what it sounds like yeah that's right and you know i mean so i i remember um can i bring up names now of people of course yeah of course, whatever you yeah like. i remember i remember renee dupuy being at one of the 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 tables um they had promotional records out and and i thought the the I thought this was an opportunity to sort of uh, dig through the crates and 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 take a couple things home. And I, you know, I think there was an exchange there of like, if you want to sign up, uh, we'll get in touch with you, and you can take uh, this or that. And I do remember walking away with um, um, the Pixies' um, third album, the one or whatever has "Dig for Fire" on it. Is that Doolittle? No, that's not Doolittle. That's uh, Bossa Nova. So I think I walked away with um, um, Bossa Nova on vinyl. I don't think I had my record player at school at the time, but that was to come later. Um, and uh, so 
you know, I was, I was in touch with the station, but I wasn't uh, on board with it. So, and, uh, go okay. ahead. I was going to say that's quite a score Pixie's record and, and you didn't even I have think, to do anything. I think so. I think, yeah, that was, uh, that was great. So, so it was less about what was going on in the basement of Memorial hall uh, but that club fair sort of got you interested. Did it, did it take a little while for you to, to show up? Did you go to like a general interest meeting? Uh, when did you first like show up and like that begins that chapter where you're actually participating? Yeah, I bet there was a general interest meeting. I don't remember it. I do remember, uh, I do remember a, sort of a, a long line of people um, auditioning to be, in an announcing class taught by Dave Braverman. Hmm. And I might've had to do that twice. I might not have like made the cut the first time. And, uh, but I, but I, then I think I was, um, I think I was able to, um, sort of, uh, um, trail sort of, uh, what, um, audition as a, as an engineer. And, um, there was some sort of, you know, you had to get hours, right. You had to get hours to, um, sort of qualify. Um, the the tracking were, hours. So you had tracking hours. You were observed. You were, it was like observation period. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, I know I sat in. I sat in on um, uh, Renee's show a few times. She was doing Airwave. Um, I would spend, you know, a few minutes of, of uh, while she had records on. We, we would talk about music. Um, I had a terrible habit of at that time of of I would bring in. I had a portable CD uh, tape deck, uh, and I would basically. Um, run off um a few singles here and there onto tape so that i could like i was like making mixtapes while mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. while she was doing her show you know because i was really i was pumped up to sort of be around for the music and get exposed to new music and um and so you know so that was and it was almost like um well if i can't if i can't be on the air and have a show I'll, I'll get something out of this for myself. Um, that that does that does ring a bell. That um, and I don't know how I knew this or why I knew this, but that does ring a bell. That you were in an engineering class, and and it's part of my next question is is the classes. And if you don't remember, that's that's fine. But you were in an engineering class, and then later on got announcing cleared and combo cleared and i don't know when that was and i don't know if you remember when that was but that that does track at some point when i first became aware of you at the station so Mm -hmm. do you remember uh engineering uh with an announcer were you cleared first or when when did you first get on the air yeah it's um so i think when i got first got on i couldn't say like uh, you know, it's almost like I have to like, uh, reverse engineer it because, um, you know, you sort of remember the highlights of when sort of everything was kicking in, in on, on all uh, cylinders. Um, 
but, and you know, and I also remember just personalities. Like I, not only was I, um, I was also visiting uh, Steve Kapow on Sunday nights. Mm-hmm. And then I, so, so I do remember my first airwave slot being the Sunday night one to three, which was pretty much the, the least desired, I think, slot on the, you know, that was like, you, you know, you had to sort of show up for that after the weekend and then, um, you know, do that and then kill yourself to get up Monday morning and get out to classes. Um, so, uh, so, you know, when was that? Like, I, it was probably fall of 91, maybe early 92. It's, it's wild to, it's, you know, things move so fast when, uh, well, things look very fast in retrospect. And, but, you know, when you're, uh, 19 or 20, um, waiting for these chances or, or looking forward to these chances are, uh, it's, it seems like it takes forever. Right. And your previous experience, I guess at, at Swarthmore or, yeah. or, um, you had said that you had had experience at a college radio station that you walked into Hofstra radio thinking, well, I already know things I should be on the air. So do you remember that uh, feeling like it was extra drawn out or that you were really impatient to get on the air or, um, what can you describe that? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I thought, uh, I guess my attitude was that, um, things could, things should be a little rough around the edges. Uh, that there's something, um, was and and I guess too and you know in retrospect knowing that it was um, what like a number two market uh, or something like that for the for the you know just outside the the metro area um, I almost thought that that was more uh, reason to not uh, aspire to uh, uh, slickness. Uh, professional uh, slick radio um, coverage. You know, I'm probably in the minority on that because I also we we were a tr- we were a te- it was a teaching institution, and so I can appreciate both sides of it now. And and um, you wanted to uh, the people who were serious, they should have gotten the best experience they could have of um, preparing to be on on commercial radio or what have you or television for that matter. So, um, but I was, I was really, uh, I wanted to engage with the music. Um, I wanted to meet like-minded people who, uh, who cared about the music and, you know, we can, I'm sure we can cover a lot of minutes on how the sort of music rose to meet us at that time. Yeah. And that, that might be, a. uh, a future conversation um, because I think that really gets into the meat of both our times there. But what I, the last question that I usually ask, and I feel like we're jumping ahead a little bit here, but it's, it's going with what you were talking about is that I ask everyone, what did you think the radio station would mean to you at that time when you're 18, 19 years old, when you're first starting your college career? Cause it seems like you had an aesthetic, a style, an idea of what you wanted the radio station to be. 
So less of like what you can look back on now, but can you put yourself in the mind of Brett Dion at the beginning? What did you think that station was going to be? What did you want it to be? Sure. Well, okay. So this is something I, uh, I have to bring out too, is I had a, um, I was, I'm, I'm someone who's very influenced by, um, by pop culture and, and, and visual aesthetics. And what was happening too at that time was, um, and laugh, you know, people might laugh at this if they want, but um, pump up the volume had come out uh, that, that film, which was, you know, about pirate, like a pirate radio uh, DJ who was a a teenager, uh, you know, teenager who was like a, a mystery man to, uh, to his peers and uh that that romanticized uh the whole um uh idea of of what it means to be uh kind of on the fringe uh on a fringe of uh, a college radio station um and going back before that i mean one of my favorite all-time shows and you know to still to this day is wkrp and uh that also played into my sense of um, fun with radio and uh, and also, uh, you know, that there that there were times where you had to just say to hell with it and um, that the, that you had to respond to the music somehow that um, was more important than what the bosses had to say uh, or the establishment. So. Um, I was, I came, I came in with that, that aesthetic or that baggage, uh, in, in hand. So were, if I can, if I can guess or, or, or extrapolate here, you weren't thinking of radio as a career, but college radio was something that was important to you artistically and socially. And you want to experience that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, um, you know, and it wasn't, it was something that I was familiar with. Uh, you know, I, I probably had uh, enough social anxiety, uh, already. And so this was something that was not foreign. I already had a sense of the, of the technology and, um, and as poor as I was probably about, um, enunciating or, you know, pronunciation, um, that I, I just wanted to blow past that and, and play records and mix things up on the air. So do you remember your first time announcing on the air? I honestly, I don't, uh, I remember, yeah, I remember having to make those, uh, air checks, and, you know, being painfully aware of the ums and ahs that um, I've always heard when I, when I record my voice. And what, you know, I must have, was there a policy of sort of like giving over part of someone else's shift to, uh, for announcements? I mean, was that, was that done? There must have been something. I, I, as far as I recall, my first time I, I read the news on someone mm. else's airwave show, and yeah. I think you had to sort of jump through a couple of those hoops before they 
gave you the the all clear to go. But I guess I guess let me follow up that question with with another sort of mindset question. Um, so you're doing Sunday nights airwave following uh, Steve Clapow, who had been on the air for a long time and was really very good and had a particular style. Yeah, so, seasoned. Yeah, yeah, he really knew his music. He knew his audience. So you're following him, and it was probably going on for for weeks, months. Could be in you know a couple times. When did you feel like you were settling in and doing the thing that you wanted to do? When did you feel comfortable? When did you feel at home behind the mic and behind the board? I guess. I guess you know once I once I started playing records um, and and getting familiar with the the requirements, um, I you know I don't know if I ever felt I certainly I certainly came into it uh, you know having having some experience with uh, you know crossfading and. Um, uh, you know, I saw, I also saw how, how, how not to do things. Um, like seeing a guy like, um, you know, it was, it was fun to, uh, sit in on Nick DeCarmine's show, but you know, what, what he would like to do, and this is almost like the, it, it got too abstract, uh, too silly where he would basically double up and, and pot up, uh, you know, both records on the turntable, maybe uh, a couple CDs at the same time. And just, just to create a cacophony, like he thought, you know, he was doing some um, experimental, I don't, is it John Zorn, someone like mm. that? Yeah. So, um, so that was, that was something I, I, I found amusing, but also I wanted to back, back off from, um, and, and I, you know, I did want to deliver some good music. I, I wanted to, you know, I, I'm not, I know I'm not answering your question about when I got comfortable. Um, it, you know, it might've, it might've taken until I actually had some um, influence. Uh, you know, I, I think I had a, I think I had a good relationship uh, with, with Scott Smolev when he was, um, producer of airwave. And I think that that's around that time is when I started to volunteer to uh, review some of the new um, music that was coming in. Uh, so I would, you know, I would, I would, I kind of became a little, um, you know, I, I would write these mini reviews on the discs and, and I think that was a positive experience. Um, yeah, it's all, it all comes together kind of, um, in fits and starts. And it also is based on, um, having that space in the station office mm. to hang out and, um, shoot the shit and, um, and be, uh, and feel like you, you would join something. Um, so it, you know, there was that aspect of it being a club, which frankly, I think that's really, I think that was very important to my comfort level. So in that way, it has nothing to do with what was happening on the air. Um, I, I stumbled over um, newscasts uh, easily. 
And uh, I remember being really uncomfortable when um, with Clinton's election, you know, for three months, he was he was on the AP wire known as President elect Clinton. And I hated saying that. I hated trying <laughs> to say it. It made me miserable. Um, uh, but but obviously sticks in my mind because it was it was something I had to really um, get over and and you know I was glad when he was through that period. So so different people have different levels of comfort, and I guess my question initially was about being on the air, but it's also about feeling safe and and valued in the environment. And so I'm really glad that you went there and took the question in that direction because that is a big part of it. That is a big part of 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 that experience and and then taking what you had envisioned um and then turning it into something in, into practice. And I guess just to double back to something you said before, your focus was really about if I can surmise this playing the music and getting sounds out there that you were into. It wasn't necessarily about hosting a show or telling stories. It was about, I think this music is cool. You should listen to it. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. And it was, I mean, I wanted the educational, I wanted that, uh, that experience of getting to know more music, uh, getting to know what was new. Um, and having sort of like, uh, uh, getting uh, upfront exposure instead of whatever um, whatever I was seeing on 120 minutes on MTV or um, or what the what the commercial stations were playing at that time so we've talked about your experience on the air we've talked about your vision and and getting acclimated to the station and you've mentioned a few names as we go along and i sort of wanted to finish up here um were there particular people and you can expand on people that you've mentioned already that were important or influential or or helped you or that you gravitated towards uh as you're getting established at the radio station and and you mentioned you know there were some things that you didn't want to do if there's anything else that you'd want to expand on that way who are the people and ideas that helped shape who you became at the station yeah well I have to I have to point out uh, Nick DeCarmine again because you know he um, he was um, spearheading that idea of a soundtrack show um, maybe apart from me and I th I think we got put together to develop that and work on like a pilot show. Um, or, or he just kind of, or he just wanted to, to see, you know, how it would turn out. Um, and he, then he sort of let me go on my own with it. Um, I think he was tr attracted to the idea more because of the free form possibilities of it. Um, which, which I liked too. And I, but I also, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, I, I was, it was like an opportunity to drop in, you know, almost any kind of genre of music, um, under that banner of, of what a music soundtrack was, because, you know, by then that, that was such a popular uh, way of record companies getting 
um, new artists uh, or, you know, getting hit songs off of blockbuster movies. Um, and for other people, you know, I, you know, I would say, you know, you were very, um, you were cordial and, um, and, you know, I think you were, were really good about, uh, a general sense of, uh, openness and camaraderie about, um, you know, what, what the, uh, experience there was, was about. Um, I don't remember what your role was in that moment. But it seems to me that you had to have some um, official title by then. I was probably airwave producer at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, you seem to be there a lot. Uh, so it, you know, that there was like a um, um, sort of a, a you were like a sort of a bedrock person that it, it seemed like you were. Um, you were part of the, you know, the, I don't want to say you were like the furniture, but you were, yeah, no, that's exactly where I was going to go. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's yeah. just the guy's always here. What's he doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, but you, you, that's, that, that is also affirming. Uh, it's, there's a, there's a comfort there that, uh, that you think, you know, this is a place where, um, people come back to, um, and, you know, and I had great, I had, I had a good time, um, you know, having to, you know, I don't think by the time I was working on my, now there was a, there was a, there was a course, right. That I, that I took to that, where you actually had to edit the tape and make sure that, you know, you took out the right pieces of a, of a bundled kind of announcement. Yeah, there were there were the engineering and announcing classes, but the university course that you're probably thinking of is was Com Twenty One, mm -hmm. which was basic editing and production in the two track studio. Yeah, yeah. So I I did take that. Um, you know, I guess it was like an elective that I just, um, um, you know, maybe I didn't need to, but or I thought that was like kind of by then it was probably easy credit for me. Right. Um, and and but but by then you know Jeff Kraus was not. Uh, he certainly wasn't at the station on, a, on any sort of base on any daily or regular basis. And uh, so I was, I was hearing his voice and, um, you know, delivering that, but also, you know, uh, by, by, there was a distance there, but I got the sense that, you know, this was his baby and he had really taken good care of the station for a long time. Um, who else? Um, I mean, and then it becomes like everybody. It just becomes a it becomes like this. Um, like the whole the whole culture became so important, and I became so um, uh, admiring of it. Um, and and I think that's the next chapter that we'll talk about at some later date where you're pretty much at the station every day or quite often you've got responsibilities, you've got regular jobs that you're doing. And I think we're going to spend some time talking about that later on, but mostly okay. it was who's helping you in the door and who's making you feel comfortable. Right. 
Um, so, so, yeah, I guess, you know, like I said, I, I mentioned Scott Smoliv because he, he preceded me as far as airwave producer goes. Um, but I think, but I think, you, you know, you were sort of, uh, encouraging, um, of that as well that I, 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 you know, I guess you saw sort of where my, the focus was, uh, where my interest was. And then I was, you know, I was auditioning, uh, promos at home and giving feedback. Um, and then that, that put me in the position of, of following Scott as airwave producer. Um, so yeah, I think that, I mean, the Dave Braverman experience of, of, of his uh, announcing training, I I rolled my eyes so much over that. Sorry, the cat just knocked knocked into the microphone here. Uh, we'll fix it in post. But, yeah. but yes, but that was that too was like part of the, uh, you know, that to me seemed like I had to, um, almost like a fraternity. Uh, stunt or something i had to sort of suffer it to get to get to some some other place and at first and at first i wasn't having it and then i just you know went along with it maybe maybe when i finally went along with it he wasn't the person teaching i think i might have waited him out that is entirely possible yeah um i don't remember when he graduated or moved on but it was probably about that time yeah. So then I, so then I'm afraid to say, I don't remember who actually was, was, uh, teaching me in, in terms of the, the announcing course. Um, and you know, and I thought it was funny in a way too, because I've been told at different times that, and I think this, this comes from having moved around a bit. Um, you know, I was born in new England, but, um, but most of my early talking years were all spent in Wisconsin. So I have kind of this, um, what, what I, what I think is, is mostly, uh, the way that radio stations, they want to steer towards kind of a, a Midwestern, um, delivery from, from people on the air, uh, except mm-hmm. for the speed, which, like normally you get into a big market and then you, then they start talking much faster. But that's not your aesthetic. Me? Yeah. <laughs> talking fast. <laughs> no. Well, I, I think your, uh, your aesthetic, your idea of what college radio should be was, was a really important part of what, uh, the station became over the next couple of years, 92, 93, 94, uh, into 95. I think that that was, um, whether you were sticking as close to it as your original intent or not, um, I think that was a very important part of what the station became and what it meant to a lot of people. So, um, you know, our, our, our best laid plans don't always work out the way we intend. And sometimes they have, uh, bigger effects than we thought they would. So, um, I'm, I'm really glad that you brought that up that way because it made me think about where things went over the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, go ahead. I, I was going to say this was, this was just a, a tremendous amount of fun and, 
it was really interesting and uh i would like to do more and i would like to uh, record more hopefully soon all right that goes fast doesn't it it does it does well thank yeah. you brett for uh for for lending your time and uh let's do it again sometime okay sounds good brian thank you <laughs>